Hey, it's Keith here, inviting you to imagine that Live from the Lounge is actually live and that you're with us in person. Sounds nice, right? You got a cool summer drink in your hand, you're swaying to the music, laughing a little, and we come to the moment in the show where we pass around a hat and ask you to share with us as we've shared with you. How much would you put in the hat? 10, 20, 100 bucks? There's no judgment, no pressure. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll consider dropping a little something in our virtual hat at livefromtheloungepodcast.com. The donate button's right at the top of the landing page. It's quick and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. Hey there. Welcome to The Lounge. I'm your host, Keith Farley, raising a frozen beverage in your general direction and inviting you to join us for the next hour or so for a collection of stories, songs, and conversations, all intuitively designed to help you groove with the rhythms of the season. This month's lounge is all about camping. Throughout the lounge today, we'll have the Zender family singers performing some of my favorite campfire songs live. Matt and Carol Almos have written a radio show about the surprisingly transformative power of a few weeks away at camp, I'll talk with my parents and my kids about our family's history with camping. And a little later, I'll reflect on the utopia that is summer camp, and we'll explore a much maligned campfire song that actually contains a rich history of helping people rise up and overcome oppression. So, here we are. The Lion of Summer is waking up. Sunrise in Los Angeles came at 549 and it sets at 8.06 tonight. The days are still long and getting warmer. The nights are brief and cool. It's the perfect time to pack up the car and head to the hills where the pace of life is a little slower, and the wonder of the natural world is yours for the taking. Maybe you'll travel light enough to hike into the wilderness with everything you need strapped to your back, or maybe you'll pack up the car with a cooler, camp stove, a tent, air mattresses, and sleeping bags, and embark on a glamping adventure. Whether you like to speed around a lake towed by a fast boat, or explore the hidden coves in a kayak, thrill down a rushing river in a raft, or gently float the afternoon away on a tube, I hope you'll make time to get into the water this month. Camping is also about sharing good food with friends and family. From giant griddle cakes cooked in leftover bacon grease to the fresh berries, melons, plums, apricots, and peaches that are in season, to the magic that happens when good meats meet hot coals, all washed down with a jug of wine or whiskey that gets passed around for all to partake of. And as the night falls, you'll don a hoodie gather around a fire for stories, songs, roasted marshmallows, reflections, and connections. Whether you like a good ghost story, are adept at telling jokes, like to sing together, or just sit and stare into the dancing flames, there's a transformative power that comes alive around a crackling fire under a blanket of stars. It's an invitation to unplug from the hectic pace of our daily striving and realize that we, too, are made of stardust, and that we contain universes within us as well. And as you retire to your sleeping bag, after you've properly doused your fire, of course, 
you'll drift off with the sound of the trees singing you to sleep, and you'll clock the passage of the night by the way you need to bundle up against the falling temperature until the sun finally rises and begins to warm you once again. It is wise and good to soak up the natural world in July. If the year were a day, July would be lunch hour. It's time to take leave of all of the busyness for a minute. Put the phone down, turn the computer off, leave the distractions and deadlines, and recognize that the act of recreation can be an act of recreation if we're intentional about it. Yes, it's time to get back to the land, because after all, we are made from the land, and one day we'll return to the land. In that vein, here's my favorite patriotic song, sung by the Zender family, live from the lounge. This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gold Street Water, this land was made. Stop. 
summertime means the return of that all-American rite of passage, sleepaway camp. For many campers, this will be the first time they've spent a single night away from their parents, much less several weeks. Let's face it, few among us are ready for personal growth when it is thrust upon us. 11-year-old Kevin Parker is no exception to that rule. Standing on the steps of his cabin at Camp Sunflower, clutching his backpack like a life preserver, he can't believe his parents are abandoning him in this God-forsaken wilderness for six long weeks. Aw, oh, come on, bud. You're going to be okay. You're going to love it here. You'll see. No, I won't. Do you need a tissue, honey? Are you allergic? I don't have allergies. I don't want to stay here. Now, come on, buddy. It's natural to be a little nervous, but you got to toughen up. You're not a little kid anymore. Please take me home. You know, I hated summer camp at first, but now, when I look back on it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I grew up a lot that summer. That's right, and I think you learned some new skills, too, didn't you? Oh, sure. Like how to make a fire and... Um... Well, there's just so much to learn. Crafts, yodeling... I don't want to yodel! Hey, buddy, you gotta toughen up, okay? Don't be a baby. Honey. Look, bud, all I'm saying is give it a chance, and I bet you'll end up having a good time. He's right, honey. You'll see. Okay, come here and give me a hug. Mmm... You're my brave little guy. You're our strong little man, okay? High five. You got this. Time will fly by before you know it. Six weeks later. Are you sure this is the spot where we're supposed to meet him? I mean, it has to be. Look at all the other families. Well, where's Kevin? I'm sure he's here. Oh, let's get the sign ready. Yeah, sure. Maybe this counselor knows where he is. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. Hey. Hey. Uh, yeah, we're Kevin Parker's parents, and we're not seeing him out here. Would you happen to know where he is? Dad, it's me. Kevin? Hey, Mom. You look well. I do? Kevin, you look very different. Huh. Well, the last few weeks have been pretty transformative, I guess. You're significantly taller. Uh-huh. And you have a full beard. You like it? I do not. Got it. Well... Let's table that topic till later. You ready to go? Uh, sure. Wait, uh, I gotta say goodbye to someone. I'll be right back. That is Kevin, right? I believe that is our son, who is kissing a young woman. Wow. That is very... It's very intimate. Yes. All right, I'm ready. Hey, let me see the sign. Oh, yeah, I, I made you a... Let's see, it says, Welcome home to our superhero. And there's Iron Man. Aw. That's really cute. Great. Well, let's, uh, get going. Your room and your dirt bike... All your stuff. It's just as you left it. Ryan's been by a couple times. He'll be ex so excited for you to get back. Great. Does anyone have any Kleenex? Sure. Here you go. There's no shame in it, son. In what? Uh, feeling emotional. 
It's not that. I suspect I have a little summer cold. Probably from the challenge camp we did last week. Got down to the 30s at night. Wow. Burr. They had you sleeping outside in freezing weather? It was fine. Well, I don't remember anything about that in the brochure. It did get a little hairy, to tell you the truth. At night, some kind of large predator circled our tent. I don't mind telling you, we were pretty nervous, but eventually it went away. We had packed all our food into bear lockers, so eventually lost interest. My God. Yeah. The tracks in the morning were tough to identify due to the heavy rain, but we think it was a bear or a cougar. I mean, those tracks were big, so probably a bear. Oh, my God. I don't even want to think about it. It's no big deal. These are the things you have to deal with as a brave little guy. <laughs> oh, okay, well... Well, I am going to speak to them about that because... Because don't. you could have been killed. Mom, leave it. I dealt with it like a brave little man. So, I, uh... Couldn't help but notice you hugging an awfully cute little camper as we were leaving. That's a change. You used to think girls were yucky. Come on, bud, you can tell us. I think someone's got a little crush. Do you have a little girlfriend? What's her name, bud? Deborah. Nice name. Will you see her again? Well, um, I guess you could say we're exclusive. Oh, well, I think you may be a little young for that. But I love her. Oh, okay. How was the camp food? I know they eat pretty healthy up there. I suppose you'd be all right if we stopped at Shakey's on the way home? Actually, I was thinking I could make dinner. I caught some trout this morning and got them cleaned up. I was thinking an almondine with a light salad. Do we have arborio rice? I don't know what that is. For risotto. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess we could stop at a store. <sighs> okay. Bud, are you mad at us? Mad at you? I just offered to make dinner. Right. So, your little friend. Deborah. Yes. I think it's great that you like her. And, you know, you have plenty of time to get to know each other. You don't need to be... So, why don't you tell us how you and Deborah met? I mean, what can I tell you? We're, we were on the same kickball team. We got to talking... We found we had a lot in common. Rest is history. Well, what do you have in common? Well, we both like kickball. We don't like falseness or duplicity. But if I had to pick the trait that really binds us, I'd have to say it's a shared sense of grief. Grief? What do you mean, bud? I think the grief is rooted in a growing understanding of the ecological devastation unfolding across the planet. That, and I guess... Starting to grasp all the things that were available to previous generations that won't be available for me and my children. Got it. Thanks for sharing. You know, if, if you're ever feeling sad, you can talk to your dad and me. That's all right. Deborah and I process our grief through our words and through our lovemaking. Excuse me? What did you just say? No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't worry, Mom. We're being safe. What? Neither of us is ready to start a family. Yet. Okay, okay, that's enough funny guy. I don't know what's so funny about preventing unwanted pregnancies, but to each his own, I guess. No, 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 no. I, I don't like this. What's wrong? Are you okay, honey? You are only 11. You do not make love. You do not make dinner, for that matter. I, I make dinner, 
And dad protects you from bears and cougars. What your mother is saying, I think, is that you seem to have undergone some rather profound changes during camp. Isn't that what you wanted? Yes, but... I mean, I didn't learn to yodel, but I did learn other things. I just feel like I missed it. I put in all this work. All the sacrifice. All the late nights, the sprained ankles, the stomach flus, the teacher conferences, and, and this... This is a jip. Mom, you may not be aware that's a derogatory phrase. So that's all. That's it then. It's over and I missed it. You're still my parents. That hasn't changed. Yes, but I have this profound sense that you don't need me in the same way you used to. Do you want me to need you? Well, yes, I I think I do. Dad? I... Uh, I mean, you're our little man, but you're our little man. You know what I mean? Hmm. I see. So you want me to need you? Uh, like Mom, uh, I'd have to say, uh... Okay. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks, bud. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. Do you still want to make us dinner? No, that's okay. You want to stop at Shakey's? I just want to go home. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. You want to ride bikes tomorrow? Sure, Dad. Whatever you want. Okay. You never know the twists and turns that life will take, especially if you've chosen a career in the arts. Hopefully, you have people around who are willing to lend their support and who are even willing to carry you when you feel like you can't take another step. The Actors Fund is an organization that does just that. It provides stability and resiliency to artists throughout their careers. Services provided by your generous donations to the fund include emergency financial assistance, affordable housing, health care and insurance counseling, senior care, secondary career development, and more. For more information about the Actors Fund or to make a tax-deductible donation, go to theactorsfund.org. When the tradition started, it was just us in a house by the lake— My parents, my brother Jeff, my sister Gail, my uncle John, and my grandparents. Eight of us. But the numbers grew. Fast. Gail married into two kids and had two of her own. Jeff also married into two and had one more on top of that. Anne and I added the final two in 2000 and 2002. The yearly gathering moved to the Split Rock Campground at Donner State Park, a short walk from the lakeshore. It's been over a generation now that we've camped at the lake. My grandparents are gone. Uncle John is gone. Some of the kids from the early years are married now and have kids of their own. And we all find a way to make it to Donner Lake each and every summer to camp. Here are some of the stories from three generations of camping out. 
There's a real rich tradition of camping in our family. Uh, and I wanted just to explore that with you guys. So I thought we would start uh, by introducing ourselves. And I think we'll go in age order. I get to be first. You are first by just a couple of months. So introduce yourself and then give us one of your earliest memories of camping. I'm mom, grandma, Barbara, uh, oldest member of this family at this point. Camping was not something that I did with my family, although William Heidelman Lodge was as close to camping as you could get and still be inside. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about William Heidelman Lodge. Well, that is where we vacationed as a family from the, actually the late 40s into the 50s. We went to Heidelman Lodge every summer and hiked and uh, swam in Donner Lake. In fact, I learned to swim in Donner Lake because you didn't wait in it because it was so cold, you had to move. So um, I have very fond memories of that. Tim Farley, I'm the second oldest in this group. My first recollection of camping with my family, I was probably maybe 11 or 12. And the purpose of the camping trip was fishing. It was one of my dad's passions. One of his coworkers told him about a camp up on the way to Lake Almanor up in the Sierras where there was good fishing and a really nice campsite. So we went up there and then it turned into like an annual event. And, and many years it included my grandparents and even included mom, Barbara, um, in the last couple of years when we were engaged but not married yet. And we joined my parents up there for, for a weekend. I think my earliest memory may be the tail end of those trips. Um, I remember going up, I remember fishing uh, with Grandpa Farley, uh, catching a fish or two. Might have been the first fish I ever caught. Um, I remember one year being overrun by yellow jackets. Yeah. But the thing I really, the, the memory that is like the earliest, I think, was with great grandpa Cornell. Yeah. Um, teaching me how to inflate an air mattress. <laughs> we didn't have any pumps or anything like that. It was, and he taught me that you lay on your side because the air mattress is long and flat. And there was a canvas air mattress with a metal hole on the end and you unscrewed it. While you were inhaling, you would stop it up with your tongue and then you could exhale. And yeah. Once he taught me that, I think he stepped outside for a smoke and left me to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think you're next on the age ladder. All right. This is Anne Kloss Farley, wife of Keith and fourth oldest on the call. We've always been camping in the Kloss household. Like uh, my parents couldn't afford to take us in a hotel if we traveled. So if we traveled anywhere, we were camping. That was just a given. But my favorite memory was um, getting old enough to join the poker table. My dad would accumulate a large barrel of candy. We would play poker all night long to lanterns uh, for candy. It was a very, 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 um, you know, uh, prestigious place at the table at night. Like the uh, coveted camping experience. And now we move to the next generation. My name is Vice, and I am the eldest child in the Kloss Farley family, but one of the youngest uh, cousins in the Farley family at large. My earliest memory, I guess, isn't one that I specifically remember, but one of my favorite stories anyway. 
I've been camping like since before I was one years old. And I think it was my first camping trip. And I was probably like nine, 10 months or something like that. And um, I was just having so much fun in the dirt. And it's probably my favorite part of camping every year is watching the young kids just go like crazy in the dirt, having so much fun just playing with it. And there was one moment, I think, where I had filled a whole bucket with dirt and just pour it all over my body, like head first down. And, <laughs> and it's just so fun to watch each kid just do that every year. And what about you, Ruby, as the, uh, as the youngest one here? I am the youngest of the family and I had been for a while. Now everybody's having babies and I'm not the baby anymore. I have to say playing apples to apples with the cousins in the trailer is like one of my earlier memories and just sitting there and like being absolutely ridiculous and like cracking up covered in dirt. Playing board games covered in dirt. That's pretty much Donner in a nutshell. (laughs) To the buoys, finally swimming out to the buoys for the first time. Being the baby, I was the last one to get out there. And I remember feeling like this immense sense of accomplishment. And I was like, next year, I'm going to do it again. And then again after that. And then for the rest of my life. (laughs) And that's what I've done. Well, we have a rich history of camping in the family. And I have to say that Anne and I, a big part of our courtship and falling in love and realizing that we were family, uh, was centered around camping. My first memory and my probably the most vivid memory that I have of camping is with Anne up at San Simeon. Um, We had gone up there with a little tiny two-person dome tent, and Anne had brought everything to deck it out like it was a luxury suite (laughs) at the Four Seasons. I have to say that trip was really romantic because I think we were young and in love. Driving the 101 and listening to the cranberries. I can, I, every time I hear Zombie by Cranberries, I think about that moment of being in love and being driving down to San Simeon. The wonderful thing about traveling and then camping out there, I felt like we were Heathcliff and Catherine and Withering Heights on the moors. And it was just such a sweet, romantic um, conversion of what camping does, of being in the elements and bringing your your fantasy and your reality together in such a wonderful memory. Uh, We've been going to Donner Lake how many years? It's got to be 25 to 26 years that we've done it as a family. (laughs) Dad and I actually were looking, looked at houses up there and then thought better of maybe having the responsibility of a permanent dwelling at Donner Lake and bought the trailer. And of course, that's when we moved to the state park at Donner and started camping at Split Rock Campground. With the trailer. Yeah. With the trailer. How has the uh, Donner Lake experience evolved over the years? You know, people started buying, some of you started buying tents, and pretty soon we had, um, we went from one campsite to two campsites. Well, the other the other evolution was that in the beginning, in the probably the early 2000s, um, mom and I would go up there with the grandkids. We would go up there three or four or five days before everybody else and just have some time just with grandkids. And then the parents would come up. And, and that reminds me of the story one time that went on on day three or four. 
Gail decided to come up a day early. And I remember Tessa and Allison saying when she arrived, what are you doing here? <laughs> they were indignant <laughs> that their mother had come up. <laughs> what are you doing here? And so then the other thing was the evolution of the kids riding bikes. You know, the older ones were good bike riders to start with. The younger ones would work into it. Those were rites of passage, like you were talking about, Ruby, was learning to ride a bike and swimming to the buoys were kind of the, the two milestones. Vice and Ruby, um, we camped as a family. Uh, I wonder what what you remember about the logistics of getting ready to camp and what some of your memories of camping as a family, whether at Donner or or in other spots? Well, I feel like a big part of getting ready to camp is packing the car, honestly. Like, that was, I think that was the source of so much tension in the family. <laughs> because we would spend so much time in the car getting to Donner from SoCal. It was probably like an eight to 10 hour drive. So before I even started packing, like my mom, my dad would come and be like, all right, get your seat ready because we're just going to start packing. And if it's all the way forward, it's all the way forward. You won't have any leg room. It's like a Tetris game every time. Like, can I see out the rear window and get everything in? How are we going to get the dogs in this time? Like, <laughs> we're going to give them a little spot in the back. Can we? Is there enough room? It was always hectic leaving the house and getting set up that first night. But by the time we were heading back, when we would sort of either do Highway 1 through Monterey and, and um, Cambria, or if we were doing the 395 down through Bodie and Bishop into Lone Pine and coming back that way, by the time we got to that second or third campsite, we were a well-oiled machine. Tent down, we got the tent up. We got the air mattress pumped. We got the air mattress set out. We got the sleeping bags out. We laid them out inside the tent, and then we set up the kitchen. It never ceased to amaze me up at Donner when you guys were getting ready to leave of watching you pack and thinking, you're not going to get all that in there. It's not going to fit. It's not going to fit. Oh, oh, look. Oh, look. Oh, my golly. It's all in there. It was, it was just amazing. It has to fit. I have to say, I did have a memory like pop up. I remember the day that we were leaving, I was so tired that I slept on the floor of the tent. Like everything we'd already packed up, everything like you guys had cleaned out the whole tent, like around me. And I was lying on the tarp, like literally just lying in the middle of the floor of the empty tent. I have to say, like one of my favorite Donner memories. I think uh, we were there by ourselves, our family, and we did the scary stories at night. The board game shelf that they have <laughs> at Donner cast like this crazy like shadow onto the trees that looked like this giant door. And we were like, oh my God, that looks like a door. Like it looks like a vortex into like another like dimension. And and um and so we we all started taking turns like going into the dark woods and coming out of the vortex as like some sort of creature. And then Vice goes and he disappears and we're all sitting there at, at the campfire and all of a sudden one of his shoes like gets thrown from the dark 
and and we're like what the hell's happening like what is he doing and he throws the other shoe and we're like where is he like what's he doing without his shoes on like it's dirty and all of a sudden he comes out with his legs through the armholes of his sweatshirt (laughs) and comes out and it's just like 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 doing this crazy like little like dance we're all just like screaming laughing yeah it was really fun absolutely ridiculous everybody talks about having quality time with you know family and i just really love the quantity time of being at donner uh knowing that we're going to have uninterrupted days when we can just be together and reconnect. Uh, and that's what makes this trip so special to me. I mean, the sky at Donner is so brilliant. It, you know, just going there and looking at the stars and having it be pitch black in the shadows of the fireplace. It's something I look forward to every year because it's, it's such a meditation away from urban life. Yeah. And it really does give you an opportunity out there to just reset. I know for me, it is driving it and it's the combination. It's the dirt, dusty smell and the tree smell and all of that, that just for me, of course, having 80 years to reflect on, it it takes me back to that, the first experience. And I realize, you know, you talk about ocean people and mountain people and I would go to the mountains before I'd ever go to the ocean. I want to add to the aromas, the smell of campfires and the smell in the morning of cooking bacon. I feel like I've become so immersed in the city. It's just so lovely to be out in nature and to be so surrounded. There's nothing quite like being surrounded by trees and being taken care of like that. It's a great healing moment for me. And then to do it with people I love just makes it even better. Camping is a touchstone for the Farleys. It's intricately woven into our family history. I learned it from my grandparents and great-grandparents. I share it with my wife and my kids. I'm grateful for every moment we've spent and look forward to the time when we'll be together again, in a tent or around a fire or on the beach at a lake in the mountains. In the summers of my youth, I spent a fair amount of time away at camp. Regular listeners to the lounge will remember that I went to band camp, which was transcendent, as well as marching band camp, which was quite the opposite. But I also attended church camps and family camps and countless smaller retreats in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I've chaperoned both my kids to Astro Camp... I've seen summer camp from the vantage point of a camper, a counselor, and a paid intern, meaning I paid to be there, where I was responsible for doing odd jobs around the camp between leadership seminars and team-building exercises. At its best, summer camp is a bit of a utopia. It's a microcosm of a well-functioning society. There's a small group of paid staff, a camp director who serves as the benevolent ruler, and beneath them, there are a variety of cabinet positions, including lead counselors, program directors, lifeguards, grounds crew, kitchen staff, and a nurse. Each week, the camp will add to its ranks a cadre of volunteers, counselors, guest speakers, and artists, 
And then there are the folks who keep the institution viable, the campers themselves. They're like the tax-paying citizens of the land, shelling out for the goods and services summer camp provides, namely three squares a day and all the adventure, creativity, and relaxation you can handle. When disputes arise, most are handled at the local level by cabin counselors. But occasionally, an infraction will rise to a level of scandal where a camper needs to be banished, which allows the population to feel safe, knowing that they are protected from harm, while it also provides a clear warning that dangerous and inappropriate actions will not be tolerated. Summer camp is a delicate dance of separating and coming together. A typical day at camp might involve signing up for any number of activities, from rough-and-tumble adventures like rock climbing and paintball to more creative endeavors like painting or tie-dye. At band camp, we broke into jazz combos, concert bands, and orchestras. In the afternoons, you'll likely have a few hours of free time to hone your volleyball skills, play a well-worn game of parcheesi, if you can find all the pieces, dice, and cups, or just lay out in the sun by the lake or the swimming pool. (sighs) At summer camp, you might learn a new skill. You might try kayaking, riding a horse. You might learn a new card game or a handful of guitar chords. You'll have your listening skills challenged with a camp-wide game of Simon Says, and you might challenge your physical stamina on a ropes course or a rock climb. You'll learn to be silly, and you'll learn to serve others. You might even have your life changed in a profound and lasting way. We used to call these mountaintop experiences. It's that moment when you discover who you are as an individual that's connected to and reliant upon others as part of a larger universe that is awesome in the truest sense of the word. And you'll sing. A lot. You'll sing silly songs. Down by the bay. Down by the bay. Where the watermelons grow. Where the watermelons grow. Back to my home. Back to my home. I would not go. I would not go. Or if I did. Or if I did. My mother would say. My mother would say. Did you ever see a bear in its underwear? Woo! Down by the bay. Songs that will test you. And on this flea there sat a leg, a rare leg, a rattling leg. Leg on the flea and the flea on the tick and the tick on the feather and the feather and the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch and the lily and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley. Oh, rattling bog, bog down in the valley. Oh, rattling bog, bog down in the valley. Songs that reveal a higher truth. And chances are, you'll sing Kumbaya. Kumbaya is a song that gets a bad rap these days. It's often used as shorthand to mock an unrealistic worldview where everybody just drops all their differences and magically gets along. Speaking out against a program that would allow students to earn money for college by performing national service 
Evangelical leader Rick Santorum said, Someone's going to pick up trash in a park and sing Kumbaya around a campfire, and you're going to give them 90% of the benefits of the GI Bill? That's not what America's all about. Herman Cain once said, Kumbaya is not a foreign policy strategy. Barack Obama said something similar with regards to his relationship with the Prime Minister of Israel. This can't be reduced somehow to a matter of let's just all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. I guess they're right, but I wonder what would happen if they actually tried it. Fact is, Kumbaya has a powerful history of bringing people together to effect profound change. Kumbaya is a spiritual that comes from the Gullah Geechee culture of the islands off South Carolina and Georgia. The title is simply a phonetic spelling of the way the words come by here shift when spoken in this dialect. Come by here becomes come by here becomes come by The song has ties to the slave trade and was likely sung by slaves as a cry for divine intervention on behalf of an oppressed people. The song was first recorded in 1926, right about the time the Ku Klux Klan was rising in the South and installing statues of Confederate generals in public parks and state houses in order to intimidate the black population. Kumbaya quickly became a staple song of protests and marches against racism, labor exploitation, lynchings, and ultimately, the civil rights struggles of the 1950s and 60s, which led to the signing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The result of people taking to the streets frequently holding hands and singing kumbaya was that buses, lunch counters, schools, hotels, and public parks were desegregated, and the President of the United States signed into law two bills that expanded the ideals of the American Constitution to include our black brothers and sisters, namely, that we are all created equally and that each of us are endowed by our Creator with rights that include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Kumbaya is a soothing song, but it's also the song of the organizer. Come here, someone's marching. Come here, someone's crying. Come here, we're singing and dancing and laughing. Kumbaya literally calls us together, and it's been successfully used over and over again as part of people's collective action against injustice. Maybe that's the real reason why politicians are so afraid of it. My only beef with Kumbaya is the use of the term, my lord. Not because I have an issue with anyone's spirituality, I absolutely don't, but a lord is just a regular person who gets to feel superior to other people because someone lucky enough to be born into a particular family told them that they can. 
Also, Lord hints at the master-slave relationship with a higher power, and I really think it's time for that idea to pass on. So in our reclaiming of Kumbaya, let's eliminate the idea of masters and slaves, of lords and ladies, and focus instead on the idea of community at the center of the song. It's both a recognition of and a call to experience together everything we do that makes us human. In our laughing, crying, living, and dying, Kumbaya reminds us that we are more alike than we are different. Kumbaya welcomes all. It's a simple song. Anyone can learn it. Everyone can sing it. And when we learn to live it, it's possible that the world might actually change for the better. It's happened before. Kumba 
our lounge. Time to load the blender with another handful of ice and a generous pour of your favorite frozen concoction and get outside to soak up some summer. If you're camping this summer, we hope you'll share your photos with us. We're on all the socials, or you can reach us at livefromthelounge640 at gmail.com. Here's the who did what. Our lounge is produced by Ann Kloss Farley. Matt and Carol Almos wrote our summer camp sketch. You heard them along with Henry and Albert Dayan as the young and old Kevin. The Zender family singers provided all of our music this month. You heard the singing matriarch Elizabeth with her twin boys Tim and Tom on guitar and bass, along with their sister Laura on all the rock-solid alto parts. Special thanks to my family, my parents, Tim and Barbara, my wife, Anne, and my kids, Vice and Ruby, for sharing their thoughts about camping. We look forward to all being back together in the mountains later this month. And I'm your host, Keith Farley. We'll be back in a month or so with another collection of stories, songs, and conversations, all intuitively designed to help you to learn, to love, to lounge.